What is good, ladies and germs? Welcome to another episode of CHN Radio. This is episode 216, I believe, and your boy Elijah here is joined by the one, the only, the illustrious Josh. Joshua, how are you doing? This this welcome gets better and better every this week. I'm illustrious. I'm just now I'm, I'm doing using, very well. Hey, I'm using thesaurus.com, you know, gotta, gotta, <laughs> gotta spice it up. <laughs> The word of the day calendar. <laughs> exactly, exactly. SCT word of the day. Um, yeah, no, I, dude, this is great. How are you, man? How, how's life been? I know I, we haven't recorded in a week or so, or actually, I guess a little over a week. Yeah, no, I've been I've been good. Uh, doing a very busy. We just started a new. We just started a new um, series at protagonist. It's going to be super interesting for those that are into the pedigree and the history of American soccer. We're doing it. It's called the America's greatest. And we're looking at the best, most iconic players, moments, games, and NCAA, all levels of uh, historic soccer in the United States and, uh, and the national team. So great, great stuff. And we started last week with the 1977 soccer bowl, which was Pele's final game uh, that he played in Portland, Oregon, uh, Cosmos versus the Seattle Sounders. So it was a great way to kick off the series. Look forward to future episodes. Yeah, there we go. That's that's wonderful. Way more exciting than my weekend where I was at in the American Association for Dental Office Managers Conference. Ooh. So, um, <laughs> yeah, the, did you got any highlights? Like, when was the first red card given? Oh, geez. <laughs> no no i mean the probably the biggest highlight is that if you're ever at the low sapphire falls resort in orlando florida which i don't know if any of our listeners will be there there's Mm. a there's a there's a cocktail bar tapas place in the lobby they have a cocktail there called the caribbean sunset it is like drinking heaven that's all Mm. i got yeah that's it that's it that's all we got that's not bad yeah all right uh yeah be sure to First and foremost, uh, share this podcast with all your friends, all your Newcastle fans. Um, always looking for feedback. So if you've got feedback, you can DM me, you can DM Josh, you can DM our account. Um, all of our DMs are open because we we have to. Josh, you got to, real quick on that, check your DM request because Idiot in Charge has made it so that uh, like when people do DM requests or try to DM you, even if your DMs are open, it just gets filtered into the request the bottom of the like it's filtered as spam oh. essentially if, if they're not verified on twitter blue so oh okay yeah so that's i found that out uh last week um anyway uh so yeah be sure to subscribe to this podcast on all platforms uh download it all that kind of good jazz um all the all the uh supporters greatly appreciated and without further ado let's hop into our first little segment let's do a little fast fantasy update josh let's do a, give it to us Let's do a fast fantasy update. I'll try to be fast. Uh, total scores were last updated on Sunday, September 3rd. My Magic Mags are still top on 291 points. Uh, second are Comeback Carious on 270. Third is Coffee Toffee with 251. You, my friend, are off the bottom after a good 80-point week. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to lie. It was a pretty, pretty good week for me. Yeah. 
The uh, the biggest weeks were Storm Bad Tolls with 95 points, Mick the Geordie with 91 points, me, myself and I, 87 points, and Coffee Toffee with 86 points. The deadline for transfers is Saturday morning at 3 a.m. Pacific time. I asterisked this. I would get them done before that, friends. Yeah, Friday um, is probably the, uh, the yeah. move. Yeah, uh, most injuries and uh, will be and, and uh, whatever will be reported by then, unless there's something that happens um, after we go to sleep. The tastiest matches to get points from this week, as you're looking at transfers: Spurs at home versus the Blades, Fulham hosting Luton Town, and Arsenal away to Everton. I think there are points to be had if you don't already have a spur or two on your on your uh roster if you don't have uh someone from Fulham um go 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 toggle look around you know you get one free transfer a week um you probably already have somebody i i mean i have um i have Saka uh you know on from Arsenal I also have Ben White for some reason i'm not quite sure if that's going to pan out for me um so but you know those are some matches to look forward to getting points from and uh, that was your as fast as i could fantasy update mm, yeah that's facts facts yeah i love it um and then the women is there any update there spoiler yeah alert, there is there is an update yeah. i saw it well, stoke well, right yes i will give you what i got and if you've got more you can fill it in um the match from match day one at halifax is not quite rescheduled yet as previously noted we had a 3-2 win over Burnley in the FA WNL Cup round one the travel away to Boldemere WFC in the cup was announced today and the date is October 1st then on match day two we had a win over filed away 4-0 match day three a win at home versus Stoke City 3-1 the first goal was uh, Georgia Gibson. She slots in the lower left corner. Really nice finish. The second goal is a Gibson cross to Elysia, uh, to Elysia body, uh, outside right foot. She scores. I think it also went the the lower left. And then the third goal was a Ferguson cross in, and then Bridget Galloway uh, headed it, headed it down into the goal. Um, They sit in fifth out of 12 with six points from two played and everyone above them have more points only because they've played one or two more games than we have. Newcastle are away to Derby this Sunday, who are in seventh with three points from three played. They lost two to four versus West Brom, then two to three versus the Liverpool Feds, but they destroyed Sourbridge seven to one. So they're kind of a Jekyll and Hyde club, and uh, I think I think we could probably nip them. Uh, you know, two to one. Two to one, Newcastle United will probably win this weekend. Oh, yeah, it's cool. I, I don't, I don't, I don't like deny that at all. So, makes perfect sense. And then just some other, some other news. Um, oh, excuse me. Um, the club has revealed that uh, some CGI images. You can check them out on the on the club's homepage at nufc.co.uk, or you can check the club's Twitter. Um, they have proposed a fan zone. This has been rumored since Amanda Stavely was first linked to the club. Uh, that that was something that she was interested in doing, uh, buying back uh, the whole the the land uh, at Strawberry Place and turning to a fan zone. So there's a public consultation event that'll be held at St. James's um, this upcoming Monday. 
Oh, actually, no, I think it, it happened already this past Monday. Um, but they revealed all the CGI images from what this fan zone would look like. There's a lot of sponsor stuff there. But it basically looks like they're building like a food hall and, and like kind of beer garden and stuff outside of St. James's, which would be pretty cool um, with some branding and stuff. So um, that's pretty cool. All that kind of all that kind of jazz. And it also looks like there's going to be some viewing areas as well. So, so people could, you know, watch the game. There's live venue stuff. So it, it's a pretty cool thing. Um, all that kind of jazz. Very common in the States to have something like some similar to this yeah. where you have you have a, like a kind of a commercial area outside of the stadium, um, all that kind of jazz. And then a couple of quick um, international break updates. Uh, but I mean, your, your usual suspects were out um, doing international duty. Uh, we mentioned that Elliot Anderson had gotten a, his first Scotland senior team call up. Um, and then uh, last week he withdrew from the Scotland international team and Garrett huh. Southgate commented on it and said that that, that Elliot Anderson is a player that England is looking at. So it looks like there could be a little bit of a rivalry, I guess, between the, the two uh, national teams over potentially. Um, and, and I don't want to misquote Garrett Southgate. He said, uh, he's definitely a player we like and sky sports has the full clip. You can check out sky sports, uh, soccer, I think that's who posted it. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. So it looks like huh. there's going to be a little bit of a battle between England and Scotland for Elliot Anderson's loyalty. And on the other side of that, Harvey Barnes is a little bit older. He's 25 or 26, I want to say. He's 26, I think. He mm-hmm. has kind of withdrawn himself from the England national team picture and is looking at a one-time switch over to Scotland. So again, uh, this is not a big international break fan fans pod, but it is like some interesting stories that could affect Newcastle down the road. Um, hmm. But yeah, that's all we've got for you um, for that kind of jazz. I, don't, I would be shocked if you had anything to add to that, Josh. I don't, I don't know. You don't really like international soccer. So no, I'm just thinking, thank, thank God. Neither of them actually played <laughs> the few. The, I'm sorry. I know a lot of people love international football, but the fewer, I think the fewer club players play international football, the, the better their health is for the season. That really matters. I, I don't think anyone right now uh, cares about international soccer because, like, U.S. played Uzbekistan last Saturday and right. tried to sell tickets for $80 at get-in price. So uh, I'm, it's it's those kind of matches right now. But, yeah, I, I understand the sentiment. Um, I only really care about it for cups and tournaments, and that's always until, obviously, last season, usually in the summer. So um, that's when I actually, actually care. Um, and then, uh, I don't know, we, we can, we can do this, um, right now, but I'm sure Josh and I will actually probably record a, um, a actual separate podcast on this, but the Champions League draw happened, um, and, uh, it, it, it did not go well for Newcastle. Um, I mean, it depends on, it depends, depends on, on which, it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you're, if you li- look, if you are one of the people who have access to have season tickets and have access to European nights in Newcastle, and you get to watch these teams come and play at St James's Park, this is a great draw. This is fantastic. Though the results, yeah. I mean, you're going to be there's there, hmm, they're great teams, but uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be a challenge to be competitive. 
But on the other end, like it's the it's hope, right? Test. It's a good yeah. test, and it's also and I'll, I'll actually I'll just start by filling people in. Newcastle are in Group F, which is the Group of Death. Uh, they drew AC Milan, which I mean the mm-hmm. script writers wrote that script. Uh, Paris Saint Germain, which you could argue the script writers wrote that if you know anything about Anton Griezmann and who who he signed to Newcastle um, in like 2025 or something like that on this football manager uh, save. And then they also drew Dortmund. And I, again, exactly. all those I mean, teams you could say there's narrative. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so you very narrative driven, who knows? Uh, but, but yeah. Uh, so those are Newcastle's playing. The first match is actually going to be next week, uh, September 19th, uh, AC Milan versus Newcastle. I have, we haven't even discussed what, how we're going to preview that and all that kind of jazz. But um, I might I might be able to hop on and, and record something uh, later on this week with my my guy Martino, who I got some good feedback on on him in that episode. So, well, I good. might be able to set that up, and we'll see, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Um, so yeah, uh, and and then maybe Josh and I will do a bit of a longer uh, podcast on just each one of these teams and how we feel about it. But first thoughts, Josh, is Newcastle getting out of this group? Oh, man, that's painful. Listen, I got some friends that are not Newcastle supporters that were asking me about this. And I'm just thinking that 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 Eddie Howe is so practical that it wouldn't surprise me that if the club's focus was getting back to the Champions League again next year, let's focus on the, on the season. And that doesn't mean that they'll necessarily play weakened teams against against you know in these in 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 these in these games but i'm not sure that he's going to play his strongest sides either and that that having been said with a focus on the season and getting back to the champions league next year and slowly growing i'm not sure we will get out of the out of the group um and i'm not i'm not quite sure any any combination of of teams in the group stage would have changed the way that the club has to look at this in a practical sense on the other hand it isn't like they're just going to roll over and show these teams their bellies. You know, they're not, they're not, you know, they're not going to show up and forget to bring their cleats with them. They're going to play football and, and players have pride in, and they're going to give their very best. It wouldn't surprise me if they had a couple of you know, a couple unexpected results. Um, so anything is possible, but I, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be blown away if, um, if they didn't get out of the group and it didn't really phase them as an organization much either. I will say this. I don't know. And I, I again, I'm going to obviously I have to ask Martino about this, but I don't know if any one of these fan bases are particularly happy with how their seasons have started, which I think is another wrinkle where like hmm. Ace Milan is, is a big name on paper, but um, they, they still, and again, like they've actually started better than I think, some of their fans thought they would, but there's still some there's still some flaws there, and they're still figuring some stuff out. And as everyone is early on in the season, but there's definitely not the AC Milan of the past that was dominant and Scudetto winners every single year. So I do think that's one where the name might be bigger than the actual threat. Same with Dortmund. Dortmund's been very. I mean, they famously blew Bundesliga last season, so who knows? And they are another team that lost some players and have they they I'm not going to say historically have not done a good job of replacing some of these players but it it does sometimes take them a little bit to to really get back on their proper footing and PSG is 
notoriously bad in Champions League. Um, that's an unserious league in the eyes of many. So I'm curious to see what happens. I My fear is that Newcastle will play the way that they they play against European talent away the same way they played against the European talent in the Premier League away, and that's very timid. And if you do that in Champions League play, uh, you won't advance. Um, I think they'll play with confidence at home, but I, you know, I'm a little worried about how they'll play in Milan if if they play the way they played at Brighton. You know, so yeah, we'll see, we'll see. All right, well, uh, speaking of Brighton, let's go ahead and just. Get right into it. Uh, Newcastle did not win, uh, and I don't even remember what we predicted. I I I knew that we both were a bit uneasy about this, but I don't I don't think we predicted a loss. I think it might have been a draw, or like a two one, or something like that, um, because Brighton had actually had a pretty, you know, lackluster match themselves. But uh, yeah, Newcastle lost three one to Brighton uh, off of a hat trick by Evan Ferguson. And, you know, I don't know if any of us had an 18-year-old Irishman who is – I think he might be the youngest hat trick scorer mm. in Brighton's history. Uh, like, I, I'm in a, I'm actually – I'm making that up, but I'm, I'm like 95% sure Why not? that that's the case because he's 18 and that you rarely yeah. – it's very rare to get an 18-year-old hat trick um, in any, on any team, uh, like, at all. So, Yeah. Uh, Newcastle got the constellation goal at the end, which made it – it didn't actually affect anything. But, yeah, it was a rough match to say the least. Let's uh, let's hit up the old Twitters and see what the folks said. Um, Josh, you want to kick us off with your three, ro- three words that you mm. wrote? Let's start again. Yeah. I mean, this was the perfect time for an international break. Yeah. <laughs> like – it's just it's bad um and that was kind of the same tune that was amongst the amongst many of the folks who submitted three words uh for this one uh eric schmidt and ufc indiana said cue the overreaction uh mr mr still your worldwide uh, at underscore yo underscore ho underscore no underscore mo said this freaking (laughs) sucks tune army portland said sports are dumb joe avery said brighton looked great Kim Avery said, just completely woeful. Durham Halimi said, keep Tenali on. Pete Askew said, didn't turn up. Mark Williams said, absolutely fucking shite. Andrew mm. Lane said, well, this is a gif, and it's also more than three words. So, Andrew Lane, you failed. Um, so, yeah, a lot of the same <laughs> sentiment. I would probably echo what Josh said. It does feel like a reset was needed um, because, you know, they played a – again, Brighton is good. I think that's the most important thing – to think about in all of this is that Brighton is a good scene. It, it, Brighton's a good team. Liverpool, as much as we like, don't like Liverpool, and they are still on paper a solid team. They're a good team. They're a European team on paper. And yeah. Manchester City is is the best team in the world. In and the so, world? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no doubt. So just take that all into consideration. Also take into consideration that Newcastle – in these matches last season, lost against Man City at the Etihad, lost against Liverpool at home, and lost against Brighton at Amex Stadium. So it's a damn near repeat of what we we saw last season. Sure, you can make an argument that, that Newcastle should have improved since last season, but uh-huh. also like they didn't have to play any of those fixtures all in a row, which they did for this one. So 
I don't know. Uh, there's that. now that all those reasons are out of the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. We we, we can we we'll, we'll we'll focus. Uh, we'll quickly just highlight some of the match because there's not really a lot to talk about. Um, like regarding the match itself, I think mm. it's pretty straightforward. Uh, yeah. We're beating a dead horse because a lot nothing of controversial. Problem. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, no, not really. And also, like a, the way that Newcastle played is is the same complaints that we would have had already. I think Eddie Howe, again, like subs were another kind of theme of this. Um, I think definitely lineup as a whole underperformed. Um, but we'll just get into it. Newcastle came out with uh, the same lineup they've come out with to start every match. Sands a couple of different things. Uh, well, well, before you, oh, yeah, before, yeah, before you get too far into this, I think that there was a significant change in the lineup. And to me... As you go forward through the lineup, I think the the big change from left back to center back for for Big Dan Byrne, I think that for me was one of the biggest problems, and yeah. I I almost feel like he had been playing left back so long that you could see him drifting. I know we're going to get into match thoughts, et cetera, et cetera, but just as you go through lineups and we're like change, you know, very little changes, very this one change to me was kind of a big deal i was i I was yeah yeah i would agree with that i was gonna get into it and make a big fuss about it and be like this is actually the only make your fuss make your fuss no i mean you made the fuss for me so dang it dang dan burn and matt target struggled here i i don't know if matt target really struggled for any Mm -hmm. other reason besides having to go up against a very good attack and really like low-key cleaning up Dan Burns mistakes but um and yeah that's that's another thing anyway uh Nick Pope and goal Matt Target at left back Dan Byrne at left center back Fabian Cher uh at right center back Karen Trippier on the right at the right back spot midfield was the same to Ellington Bruno Gimiesh Gimiesh uh Sandro Tonali uh and then Anthony Gordon Isak and Almiron in attack uh I think yeah I'm sorry Brighton as well they had Verbruggen in goal Veltman, Van Heck, Dunk, and Estupinan uh, as their back line. Pascal Gross and Billy Gilmore in the midfield. Sully March, João Pedro playing as a cam, and Mitoma with Ferguson, the hat trick scorer, the 9.7 rating uh, up top. So, uh, yeah, Josh, I I know you had some match thoughts. I kind of want you to expand a little bit about what you saw from the Newcastle defense um, a little bit, and then I'd, I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, the opposite end. Yeah. So, yeah, the opposite. End. There'll, there'll be some interesting stats. I can't wait to hear from your perspective on the the attack in in defense. I think either Dan Byrne or Maddie Target could have played, but I don't think both of them could have played. And um, because I think they're both left backs now, right? And I just, yeah, I think that that Dan Byrne had he played center back continuously for the last year, then he would have been an excellent choice to slot in um, at center back. I think also Shar seemed to be off his game. So now what you had was you had Shar not 100%, maybe 90%. Yeah. He's still good. He's, you know, I'm like, about to say, but also don't forget, Cher got injured in the last game and yeah. somehow played through it. But he's, yeah. I don't like you said, I don't really think he's 100%. I don't think he's 100%. And so you, you kind of take that, and then you add into it a guy that 
kept drifting sort of out of position. And I think that it was his inclination to his first step was in the wrong direction, like every time. Right. And so you, you see this in, uh, in particularly in, I think the, the second goal where, where the, the back is just like wide open. Like there's no pressure at all in Ferguson and he just comes in and, and he has this way with Nick Pope. I'm, I wasn't super impressive with Nick Pope, but I'm a lot more forgiving for goalkeepers when their defense isn't, Kind of like shutting down and, and applying pressure when it's needed, and uh, and uh, you know maybe he could have done a little bit more with that with, with that hot shot from distance, but also that like these shots shouldn't have ever happened. That's the thing, you know. Like I, I just felt like there was some better shutting down, some better pressure, some better spatial awareness on the on behalf of the defense, and it probably could have limited the shots that um, that Brighton were able to take. Uh, and you would have had more like that Solly March shot from distance, you know, um, more shots like that and less, less shots like inside the box that are scoring. Yeah, agreed. Um, and then kind of on the opposite end, and I, I, I real quick, I will say not to take up too much time, but I think I, I don't know if it's Dan Byrne is it, I think I think with time. And maybe over this international break, since Dan Byrne definitely wasn't called up for anything, um, I think that he could probably become a serviceable center back again. But this yeah. is like we were beating this drum kind of all off season, uh, and I mentioned it uh, going into the transfer deadline. Newcastle needed to buy a center back, and I also felt as if they needed to buy a striker. But I felt as if a center back was needed, and it feels very. It feels very weird, and I understand, like, you mentioned this, and this is something that we, we talk about a lot, but Newcastle spending essentially, what, $70 million on two backup fullbacks feels like a mistake when, like, you needed a center back. Because I yeah. think everyone knew that you could probably get away, like, Livermento, I understand buying that because there really isn't a great option behind Trippier, and Emil Kraft is still injured. Get it. I 100% understand it. Lewis Hall, I, it's it's really tough for me to justify that signing. Besides, yes, I understand he's great for the future, and you got to take advantage of Chelsea doing this fire sale right now. But, like, it does feel like that money could have gone to a center back. And that would have been more useful because everyone knew as soon as one center back went down, you you were not going to be happy with the backup options. I don't think people want to see more Jamal LaSalle's or have a lot of confidence in Jamal LaSalle's. And I know for sure people didn't have a lot of confidence in what happens if Botman goes down. So, and this was proof of it. I think everyone freaked out and rightfully so when Botman came off injured in the last match and like you kind of see it. So I think Dan Byrne will get better. I think Matt Target is completely serviceable as a backup. I don't – and again, like, will he be usurped over the, the the break and maybe we see one of these younger fullbacks get an opportunity? Sure, maybe. I don't yeah. know. But for now, Matt Target's doing what he's been asked to do, which is he's a solid left back that can do a little bit of defending and provide you something in attack. Speaking of attack, I think the attack, again, was very lackluster. Um, mm. I think it's just time to change something up. Um, Isak's just not as involved as I'd like him to be. 
Maybe the 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 answer is moving him out wide, seeing that what that that is. Maybe the answer is a Barnes and Gordon lineup. It seems like the only thing about attack that's been consistently good this season is Anthony Gordon, and good on him. But if you'd said that to me last at the end of last season, that like going in, <laughs> like like the the best attacking player for Newcastle would be Anthony Gordon, I would. I don't know what I would have done, but I'm sure it would have ended in someone being hurt. So, do you think part of this is we're playing with three eights? We're not. We don't have a ten. I don't feel like we have a ten, and I don't we feel don't. like we have Correct. a six. Correct. I feel like we're playing this with three eights, and they all kind of want to be doing the same thing. Um, none, none or, of them have the natural. Controver- or, or not doing enough of the either the offensive part or the defensive part. Right. I right. Think you can, yeah. You can. You can live with kind of the Liverpool. We're gonna have, like, we're gonna have three midfielders, and like, uh, one of them is just going to be not. He's not going to be worried about defending. I think you can deal with that. Like, that's that that's an easier problem to fix than like neither one of your like none of your midfielders stepping up in either direction feels like a recipe for failure. And the yeah. unfortunate part for Eddie Howe is that like the two midfielders that you're probably worried about their fit the most at this point and whether or not they're going to be able to like gel together. Those two guys are on international break. Good, good for them. But like it makes your job a whole lot tougher to implement any sort of game plan. If you're Eddie Howe for how Tonali and Bruno are going to work with each other. Yeah. Because right now it, Outside of, again, and part of this, this could be us early season overreacting because taking into consideration the the teams we've lost to and have not looked good against are the same teams we did not look good against and lost to last season. So, again, not, it's, you know, we'll take with the great assault, but, uh, like, those two guys, I mean, the first match they looked really good together, like, really good together, and since then it's been a big issue of, of mm-hmm. consistency in that midfield. And I would agree with that. I, in, I think the unfortunate part is that I, th- I genuinely think the answer is a player who's injured right now and hasn't played yet. And I think that like, it's going to suck for Jolinton, but I do think that like right now, given the play style Tonali and, and Bruno, unless one of them changes something, the best fit next to him in the midfield probably mm. is Joe Willick, who is yeah. going to get forward and he is going to make secondary runs to the box and he is going to take shots. He's going to put himself in very attacking positions. So that's just something to, to, to keep an eye on. I'm still not really sure of his injury timeline, but that I think that might be the quick answer to this um, because I, and I, I mentioned just Tonali and Bruno, but I totally forgot Jolinton was also with Brazil. So, I mean, again, good for him. Like, that's never really happened before, that he's like a consistent Brazilian national team call-up. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah, good on him. Well earned. Well earned. Yeah, Joe. I think Joe Willick will provide, when he's when he's back and he's, he's, he's healthy, he will provide, I think, an attacking impetus or sort of a shuttling that we're not getting. And so... I think part of maybe what we're seeing with with Isak is um, maybe he feels that he needs to come a little bit deeper to receive the ball to to move it into attack, and he's maybe yeah. over overdoing do, doing too many things, you know, and he's not able to focus on the work of the nine, and he's trying to do the ten and the nine at the same time, and that's just too much work when you're supposed yeah. to be scoring goals. 
And um, so I think that that's really the trick is it just you need to unlock that. You need to un- untether your forward so that he can focus on on the attack. And that is that's going to come from a very active um, playmaker. And we don't have the attacking playmaker that we need right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will say, and and I'm just going to quickly glance over some stats. The expected goals battle is actually fairly even, um, which you can you can look into like whether or not that really tells the story of the matches one point three to one point two three. Um, so shout out to Newcastle for tying in the expected goals battle. Uh, just uh, the other the only other thing is like pretty much in every offensive category, Brighton dominated us. Fifteen shots to nine, mm. five six shots on target to two shots on target. Um, you know, 565 total passes, 90% of their passes were accurate, 292 were in their own half, 215 in the opposition half, as compared to Newcastle only had 140 passes in Brighton's half. Um, a lot of accurate long balls for them, not so much for Newcastle. They were six accurate cross, six, sorry, 67% on crosses. Newcastle were 18% on crosses. So like offensively, Brighton had the advantage and that's why like, Expect the goals, it tells part of a story, and it's always good to look at the context and, and you can really kind of figure out how each team sort of did. But I don't really have anything else besides, like, maybe we can get into uh, kind of our players for improvement. Um, yeah, but- I would just I would just end on saying I think Brighton are just more a, a well-balanced, um, even even with the players that they're missing, missing um, a Welbeck, I think that they're just a more well-balanced team. And um, and that their win was deserved. They played really well. They outplayed us, and and that sort of just let's leave that behind us. It's uh you know I mean we can get into our our, our disappointing player, but I I kind of don't feel like throwing anybody too well too far on. I you know I felt like there was a couple of things Pope could have done better. Yeah. Uh, I feel like there was a few things that our central defenders could have done better, and I felt like there was a little bit more effort to either defend deeper or get further into the attack that our three midfielders could have done better. Um, clinical fish finishing could have been better. Like, you know, but I, so, I don't so, have a, so Josh is just throwing the entire team under the bus because he goes, I'm I, not yeah. going to throw anyone under the bus. And then he proceeds to basically call out every position group. You know, you know what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to stop the bus before they get under there. I'm going to welcome mm-hmm. them all to get on, onto the bus and okay. I'm going to take the bus to the training ground and, yeah, that's and let him yeah. go, kind of walk through a little bit more. I would agree with you. I think at this point, um, I've seen what I need to see from these players. So at this point, you're starting to say, all right, Eddie, how are you going to counter this? And I'm not asking questions of Eddie Howe yet. No. But we're getting close to the, hey, what's the plan here? Because you've brought in players many of which Eddie Howe likes himself. Harvey Barnes, not not starting yet, not being utilized. Again, a player who, if you look at our forward group, he would have been probably, I think, probably third or fourth in goal contributions with Miguel Amaron's crazy purple patch and um, Callum Wilson's 10-goal march or whatever. I think Hart, uh, Barnes would have been like third or fourth in total goal contributions. He might have been second even. Um I think he actually might have been second. And now that I think about it, he's been coming off the bench. Jacob Murphy, I feel like we've barely seen him. And we know that he's an important player 
come off the bench for this Newcastle attack. Isak hasn't looked like his old self. I I did like Newcastle briefly playing Isak and Wilson at the same time, but like again, there's there's got to be something from Eddie Howe, and the midfield is is a big issue. But I, I don't know. I'm I'm just still concerned about the defense as a whole. Um, but but yeah, I think that my my kind of dookie butt of the match is probably uh probably Eddie Howe. I think that he's just, he's just on, he, he's not on the hot seat. He's just on a he's on a mm. warm seat. Maybe a maybe a minute or so in the microwave. Maybe thirty seconds in the microwave. That's the temperature. I okay. Yeah, I I don't yeah. see how. Yeah, I don't see how putting Eddie Howe on the hot seat is going to change how Newcastle plays right now. Only Eddie and, Howe and, can change how Newcastle plays. And I will say this: I do trust Eddie Howe will fix figure it out. I yeah. got into a lot of debates with people on this about whether who's going to do this better. Should, yeah, and it's just like we we talked about this last season and Newcastle having a slow start, and then they went and won like. Eight, seven or eight in a row or something absurd like that. Yeah. So who, you know, whatever. All right. Um, so that was Brighton. We lost that one. Uh, <laughs> this mm. puts Newcastle. Uh, we haven't even really talked about this, but this puts Newcastle in 14th right now. Uh, for Don't worry about cares, it. The top, the top six are Man City, Spurs, Liverpool, West Ham, Arsenal, and Brighton. Um, and then the bottom three, Everton, Luton, and Burnley. So I'll, I'll try to remember to do a quick table update at the end of this, at the end of these uh, re- review segments. All right, now we're going to get into the preview with 14th place Newcastle taking on Brentford. Um, and this is a home match for Newcastle. Good one. It is the 12.30 p.m. Eastern match for those who care. Um, and, of course, 9.30 a.m. for us. Josh, good news for you. This one will be on Peacock, so that is exciting. I can actually um, watch it. Yeah, you can actually watch it. Um, quickly going to go through some of the injuries. Um, Emil Kraft still injured, working his way back. Minkio, I guess, is also injured. I didn't even realize he was injured. Joe Willick is close to returning, maybe. Uh, it, it, there's a potential that he could be on the bench for this one. Uh, we're recording this on a Tuesday. Um, on I don't even want to say what day we're recording it on, but if you figure out this day, this week and when this came out, you can figure it out. Um, but yes, uh, Joe Willick could be in the mix for this. Uh, and then Sven Botman, um, the ankle injury, as we know, wasn't as bad as we initially thought, but who knows when he's actually going to be available for selection again, uh, on the Brentford side, Josh Silva is out with the hamstring injury. He won't be back until December. Damsgaard's is, he's working his way back. So mm. that's kind of a, a, a big loss for them in attack. Um, and then Shannon Baptiste, he's also injured. He's got a shoulder injury. And then, of course, Ivan Tony is suspended. Uh, so yep. with that being said, Josh, take us through a little stats and history. A little bit, a little bit. Brentford sit in eighth place. As you have mentioned, they've got zero losses. So they've got three draws and one win plus a cup win. They've drawn Bournemouth 2-2, Palace 1-1. They defeated Fulham away 3-0 and drew Spurs 2-2. So they're a little bit all over the place right now. I think Thomas Frank is probably, to me, I think he's this—he's a really smart guy. Like I think he's the kind of guy that figures this, figures his team out. It's really, I think that Brentford are still in the Prem because of Thomas Frank. Like, I think he's just a, a smart coach. And I, I, I even told a, a Liverpool friend of mine, I think he's the next, I think when Klopp eventually goes, wherever he goes, Thomas oh, Frank's got to be. Maybe. Yeah. He's on but, the short but, list. He's on the short list. 
wouldn't that be a blessing for everybody oh my gosh i would love like i think this a quick aside and i told josh to be quick but i'm just saying i would love for klopp to be the the manager of germany because one like that'd be fun it'd be it'd be fun i think uh, germany would actually probably be good but two like it just removes the moaning from like every week to just international breaks and I can live with Klopp moaning. I could, I could swallow that. Breaks. Yeah, yeah. That, that's fine. But like this every week moaning about something, that's annoying. So, and we don't have to have to hear him complain about budgets or transfers or whatever. He's going to be at no. the most, he's going to be at like one of the most well-run football federations in the world. Like, oh, please make it happen. But anyway, okay, we, you you continue. Man, yeah, we could talk about the future of Hansi Flick on another podcast. Um, yeah, so people thought that they would struggle to score with Ivan Tony out. But it looks like Mbuemo has come up, come up with four goals. Uh, Wissa with two. Uh, Shade and Jensen each have one. I feel like there's still goals in this Brentford side. So yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect a shutout. Um, they've done very well to, they've, they've played very organized. Uh, they played a 4-3-3 with uh, Wissa up top, Mbuemo on the right wing and, and uh, Shade on the left wing. However, opening day versus Spurs, Thomas Frank played a 5-3-2 with Wissa and yeah. Buemo up top. Yeah. And the midfield was unchanged with those three in the mid. And I feel like we could see something more similar to a 5-3-2 with those two so wide, too. those two wide backs providing the width. But um that'll be an interesting challenge because uh because I think that takes our dynamic fullbacks well our one right side of dynamic fullback sort of out of it because he's he's got to be dedicated to watching you know watching the you know those those wingbacks um attack up and down so it'll be it, it i think that would be a bit of a challenge of a formation to play against yeah. um 11v11.com 11 says newcastle versus brentford all time 11 wins one draw four losses the last loss was wow. december 2020 in the league cup and the last league loss was back in January of 1948. We lost. Uh, we lost one uh, nil. Um, so yeah, 1948. Good year. Good year. Yeah, vintage. Vintage. Uh, on the on the field that day, Eric uh, Garbett was in the box. Um, Benny Craig was the fullback. The center backs were Frank Brennan and Bob Fraser. Your wing half was Norman Dodgen. The other wing half was Joe Harvey. Asterix that name, Joe Harvey. I'll tell you in a second. Outside left, Willie McCall. Outside left, Tommy Pearson. The center forward was none other than Jackie Wilburn. The inside forward was Len Shackleton. And the inside other inside forward was George Stubbert. Uh, Joe Harvey would go on to be the manager of Newcastle United. Mm. And Jackie Wilburn is freaking historically amazing. So I say, Jackie Wilburn is Jackie Wilburn. Yeah. That is exciting. Uh, you said Newcastle lost that match, right? They they lost that one, but uh, I just thought that would be interesting to kind of take a look at uh, who was on the roster in 1948. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Uh, well, let's get into who to look out for. Um, Josh, who, who are you? Who are you paying attention to? Uh, bueno. Yeah, I was about um, to say, uh, that was going to be my... I, I was I saved it for this segment, but yeah. Mbomo is my if you don't have him on your fantasy team, what are you doing player? Because yeah. he's listed as a midfielder. And this happened last season too, but I wasn't playing fantasy then. But he's listed as a midfielder, but he basically is just 
he'll play striker for them. He'll play as like mm-hmm. a right wing. And even when he's playing as a winger, he's coming inside so much that he's essentially a secondary striker. So, yeah, I would agree. What are your thoughts on on him, this uh, beautiful bearded bald man? Oh, he's a fantastic player. He's very dynamic. Um, and he has been on my fantasy team since day one. So is Matoma for what it's worth. So, um, you know, I think this is going to be a challenge. I, I know on uh, on paper, I think our expectations, we've been led to believe that we should be able to beat this team pretty handedly. And I think had we not had the start that we had, I would be a lot more, I would be a, a lot more positive. But I'm scared that... I'm scared that this could just end up being another draw for Brentford. Um, I think that they're going to match up defensively very well against what we've been showing for the last few weeks. But if we do, if we come out and we sort of do an Aston Villa against Brentford and just blow them away before they even have a chance to get defensively set, they may change their formation to try to chase, try to chase goals. And once they try chasing those goals, if we get one or two ahead early, that could change the entire outlook of the game. I mean, it could easily it could easily blow up in their face because they just I don't think they're built to chase goals. I think that they're they're built to score and then prevent goals. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I would agree with that. Bill has also been a day one for me in in this league. So uh, shout out to me and Josh for being uh, <laughs> official bald ball knowers. Also, Bomo is definitely not bald. He just looks bald because uh, he cuts his hair real short. So uh, shout out to me for discriminating against bald people, I guess. Um, he's a good egg. Yeah, he's a good egg. Uh, I, I I would agree with that assessment, I but I, I do personally think that this, if you were to have a bounce back game, Brentford's probably, outside of playing a team that's clearly bad, Brentford's probably like a good bounce back game for the confidence, all that kind of stuff. Because if you beat them, you're beating a genuinely good manager who's put together yeah. a good team, but they definitely have some flaws and their only clean sheet this season has been against Fulham who Fulham are sort of fraudulent. Like I'm not all in on the Fulham train. They actually are probably they're. I mean, they're not like we knew that at the end of last season, one of those teams that was fighting for a European spot was, spot was going to have to fall I think it's going to be Fulham at this point. It just seems like they're a little bit all over the place. Um, but yeah, I I would agree. Like I think this does feel like a match in which Newcastle come out and win four one, and I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but I also equally would not be surprised if it was a two two draw. Yeah, and honestly, I'm not going to lie. I'd take either one of those results. I don't see them losing, but I don't want yeah, those to be I my agree. famous last words either. But it just. I, I do think that there's going to be a much better performance offensively in this from Newcastle. It's just a matter of if um, if they can keep. It's strange thinking about what the number one defense from last year. If they can keep Brentford from getting a goal or two. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, and we'll we'll probably talk in the next episode, I, or whenever our next way match is about that uh, number one defense thing. But uh, anyway, um, what's your prediction? Uh, two two. Two two. I'm gonna go. I'm I'm saying it's a bounce back match for Newcastle. I'm going four one. Brace from Isak, goal from Callum Wilson, and a goal from Miguel Almiron as well. So that's my. I'll uh, be right. I, I'm. I will be right. So um, you can <laughs> bet, you can literally bet on that. If if you are in a state where gambling is legal, or if you're in Europe as a whole, 
um, you can go ahead and just bet on Newcastle to win four one. Uh, you're welcome. There you go. Do it. Do it. I got one more. Yeah, I got one more final thing. Um, okay. Be sure, be sure that uh, to, to to Captain Holland and your fantasy team. I oh, think yeah, that's the sure. standard. I think he's like in the history of fantasy. He's the most. I think he's the highest ever owned player across all FPL ever, and everybody's captaining him. And if you're not captaining him, then like you're just you're leaving. You're, le- you're literally leaving money on the table. Yeah. Well, not not actual money, but just like it's it's it, if you haven't triple Captain Holland yet, you're also just an idiot. So, um, <laughs> like I yeah, I triple Captain yeah. him last week, and that's how I scored eighty points. So, uh, holla at your boy. <laughs> um. All right. Well, that if if we got nothing else, that concludes another episode of CHN Radio. Um. My name's Elijah, and that's Josh. Away the lads, subscribe, share. We love you guys. It's cold up there in summer. It's like sitting inside a fridge. But I wish I was on the case side. Looking at the old time bridge. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll meet for a bottle of your own brown hill. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the cup again. The dark at St. James's Park If the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming home And I'm proud to be a Jody And to live in Jody land Some people think we're body And we're hard to understand And they say it's just self-pity And we're not so very tough Cause the people in the big fat city haven't had it off as rough. I'm coming home, Newcastle. You can keep your London wing. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll meet for a bottle of the river tine. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I wish I'd never been a weird. I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother saying, Hey, how weird. I'm coming home. The old blind busker who stands at Fenwick's door. He plays a mean accordion. You've all seen him there before. And I love the Geordie heroes. There's so many famous names like Linda Swan in Gaza, Brendan Foster in the Gateshead Games. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll need for a bottle of your own brown ale. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the cup again, I'll brave the dark at St. James's Park if the Gallagher's end in the rain. I'm coming home, Newcastle. You can keep your London wine. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll need for a bottle of the River Tyne. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I wish I'd never been away. I kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother saying, hey, how weird. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll meet for a bottle of your own brown nail. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the cup again, I'll brave the dog. It's in James's pocket, the Gallagher's end in the rain. I'm coming